0: Clow and John Minnick. Hey there, my name is John of sharpenedartist.com. This is a solo show today. I'll be recording this by myself, so it's just you and I today, and I want to talk to you about... A new paper to me. It's been out since 2017, apparently, but uh, new to me. I'm just now starting to use it a little bit, and it is the UART Premium Sanded Pastel Paper. UART, of course, is owned by a larger company. Now, they've been producing the beige color of pastel paper for some time now, several years. I couldn't get uh, a confirmation on the exact year, but I'm they they produced it for a while, and it was produced in one spot, and then it moved, and uh, then they stopped producing it for a while, and then they started up again, and for. From what I can tell, it looks like maybe around the year 2014, 2015, something like that. I'm not real sure about that. But I do know that they've been producing it and creating it for some time now. And then recently, in 2017, they came out with what they're calling The Dark. They use the same dye base for all of their papers that they create in the... Uh, the dark line, but they're not calling it black or charcoal or anything like that because the color actually looks different depending on which grade level that you're talking about. So let me talk about grade levels for just a moment. In the beige, we've got seven different grade levels of grit. We've got 240 280, 320, 400, 500, 600, and 800. And now for color pencil artists, most of the time we're using either 800 or 600. Uh, Most pastel artists are probably using something like, you know, 500 to around uh, 400 or 320. That's getting really on uh, the very toothy side, very large tooth on, you know, 320, 280, and 240. I don't know anybody that would ever really want to use 240 except for just sharpening uh, pencils or sharpening, you know, large um, blocks of charcoal or something like I have no idea why you would want to use something that large like that. But anyway, those are the options for us. And I think that really when it comes to colored pencil that we probably would prefer at least I do the six hundred and the eight hundred. It gives us the most control over the medium and yet still a very fine tooth. It's very super fine uh, tooth on the eight hundred and then it's a little um you know thicker on the six hundred but there is hardly any difference in the two. I prefer the eight hundred especially on the beige and then when I've been I started to work on the um, dark. Uh pastel paper and i I found that I really preferred the six hundred um because it felt like there just wasn't wasn't hardly enough tooth uh on the eight hundred of the dark and so anyway, if you're going with an eight hundred dark, if you look at that and you compare that to a larger uh, uh a smaller number but a larger uh amount of tooth, and that's the way that works. The lower the number, the larger the tooth, the higher the number, the finer the tooth. And so you get um, some very dark colors and nearly black when we're talking about something with uh, a lower number. And when we compare that to the 800, the 800 nearly looks like a soft charcoal kind of color. It's not a deep black at all. But the dark does come in a variety of, it's just four different varieties of grit level right now, 400, 500, 600, and 800. I don't know why you would need anything um, other than those four, really. And, I mean, I, I never use anything um, other than the 600 and the 800. So I'm guessing that pastel artists are probably wanting to use something with a little more tooth on it than what we as colored pencil artists are wanting to use. So there are other sanded papers on the market, and there's several that have been uh on the market in the past, and some of those have come and gone. But the main two right now that I can think of when we're talking about just a classic pastel sanded paper is the Fisher 400 and UART pastel paper. The difference, really, in the two is that There's probably several differences, but one of the most notable differences and obvious is that Fisher 400 comes in a grit level of 400, and UART comes in all those different grit levels, the seven different grit levels for the beige and the four different grit levels for the dark right now. So that's the biggest difference in uh, something that you can quickly and identifiably uh, point to and say, these are some of the differences in these two papers. But before I move along, I mean, there was a paper that came out uh, several years ago now, and i I think it's not available any longer. I'm pretty sure that it is not available. Um It was produced, invented, and manufactured by Kitty Wallace um called Wallace Sanded Paper, and she was a pastelist, and so she produced that paper and I believe since around maybe twenty fourteen that paper is no longer being um, produced and and manufactured, but some of you may remember that paper when it was available some time ago. There are other pastel papers that color pencil artists like to use from time to time, and they uh, give us a different kind of effect. To our work, um, there's art spectrum color fix paper. There's the uh, Sennelier papers that are available for pastel artists. Uh, the list could go on and on. I mean, there's, a, there's a variety of different non absorbent papers that are primarily being used by pastel artists that color pencil artists are understanding now that this is a good thing to adopt and to use for our medium as well. But the paper that I've been using lately is the dark paper, and I've been drawing. I've tested it for quite some time. I've drawn a few other smaller projects with the dark paper, but recently I've been doing a live stream of a portrait drawing, um, and so if you're interested in that, I've done about three different live streams, and they're they're each around uh, an hour, I think the last one's like an hour and a half in length, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes, And you're welcome to check that out. I've also been using Powder Blender with that and Textured Fixative by Brush and Pencil. And I'll just say, if you've not tried drawing on dark paper yet, then give it a shot and see what you think about it. I'll tell you, one thing that it does to you is it forces you to think sort of backwards about the entire drawing process. If you're thinking about creating the dark shadows with uh, dark values, You know, and as opposed to working on white paper, and when you're working on white paper and you're creating dark shadows and dark values at the beginning, then what you're doing on dark paper is nearly the opposite. And so it sort of forces you to rethink the way that you are executing through the drawing process. And so if you think about the highlights instead, and then you're tapering highlights into a shadow, then that's completely the opposite from the way that I typically process through a drawing when I'm creating the shadows and creating all the dark values first, and then I'm tapering those into the highlight areas. And so it can be sort of a a challenging thing to think backwards in that way. And if you're not careful, you can create something that starts to look like a negative photo image. But one of the biggest questions that I've been getting lately from the live streams and people emailing me afterward and asking uh, questions as well is why are you using powder blender then on this? Um, and so I'll tell, I'll answer that. And I'll tell you this, that when you use sanded paper, any kind of sanded paper at all or any type of abrasive surface or a non-absorbent surface like that where the pencil layer is uh, actually resting on top of this tooth, it's not getting melted down into the paper like we do often with solvent. Uh, There's a difference in using a cotton based paper or something that has an absorbent surface and we're talking about something very rigid like this tooth that uh doesn't you cannot destroy this tooth in other words so there's a difference and when i'm using uh, a dark value on say just the beige uart pastel paper And then I'm using maybe a dark blue or a dark charcoal or something like that. I can go back over that with a white pencil and I can pretty much get a very bright value. Now I'm not, obviously I'm not going to get the brightest value possible doing that. Uh, I'm going to get it back to nearly white though. Now, if I spray it with the brush and pencil textured fixative, uh, or some, maybe some other product as well. Uh, then go on top of that with white. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get really, really close. Uh, and I really love using this textured fixative. Uh, and you're, I mean, you're actually putting more tooth on on your surface, and so you are able to get it very, very bright. But in combination with the powder blender and doing that, I'm able to achieve something a little bit different. Than if I'm just using the pencils themselves. So there is a slight advantage in doing that. Um, you know, and I'm saying slight, um, and it is quite dramatic, but if you, it depends on how you use it and how many layers that you're going if you do a whole bunch of layers you use powder blender and you build up pencil layer and then you spray it with the textured fixative and you go on top of that again you repeat the process you keep repeating that process you're able to build up a whole bunch of very very light values or dark values depending on what you're trying to achieve but there's really no end to how how much you can do you can keep building layers and that's what i love about it um it's, uh, it's a pretty fast process. It's not, you know, it, it sounds complicated at the beginning. And if you've not tried it yet, uh, maybe it sounds complicated, but it really is quite simple. And you're putting down that powder blender, you're spraying it, you know, you're, you're mixing your pencil layer with the powder blender and you're spraying it. That's one layer. Think of it like lasagna. So you're creating these layers. However you layer that. Uh, you know, whatever it is you're doing, you're creating a layer. And so you've got a new surface each time. If you lay down the pasta, if we'll just continue this analogy with with lasagna. I like lasagna. Hope, hopefully you do, too. But if you put down your uh, your meat, your sauce, your cheese and then your uh, your large flat noodle, that's your protective layer. Think of it like that. Your textured fixative. And then. Voila, what happens? You've got a new surface then to build on. All right, more sauce, more cheese, uh, more meat or whatever, uh, vegetables, whatever you're going to put in there. And then another layer, uh, another flat noodle. Uh, That's the way you can think about it. (laughs) I'm cracking myself up with this analogy, but if, if, uh, if that makes sense to you, then great. You think like me a little bit, I guess. That's a scary thing. But what you're doing, though, is every time you do that, you're not erasing anything that went underneath, but you're building up more and more of these semi-transparent layers. And it really can create something that is quite dramatic. So if you've not tried that, give that a shot and see what you think about it. Those brush and pencil products are a really nice complement to working on Uh, sanded paper and I found in particular working on this dark sanded paper. So I am using the 600 grit dark sanded paper and I'm drawing uh, dark skin and so it's I'm not drawing this uh, light Caucasian skin it's dark skin I've got ethnic hair and I've been having a lot of fun with it and it's been quite challenging as well which I love. So I've also been using a variety of pencils I've been using mostly polychromos and I've been building up a lot of layers in the light areas that I wanted with the Polychromos Ivory Pencil. And that's been really nice. And I'm also using the Derwent Lightfast Pencils. Um, so I, I don't really think that you have to, you know, think, oh, I'm only going to limit myself to Polychromos Pencils. I, I think you can use other pencils. And uh, in fact, if you. Uh, look at the examples and read through what Aliona Nicholson has written in her book, Colored Pencil Painting Portraits. You're going to see that you can use wax-based pencils as well as oil-based pencils. The oil-based pencils do seem to do a better job of uh, dissolving with a powder blender than the wax-based pencils. But you can use any of these pencils and, and it does work. The other advantage, and I think I've talked about this in the past, is that you can be more intuitive with your drawing process and you don't have to be as exact. You can look at your reference and you can say, oh, look at that. I messed that up. I didn't draw that eye correctly. And you can keep correcting it and changing it and fixing it. And you don't have any problems doing that. And you're not going to see any of these ghosting Problems that you do on cotton paper, any of these erasure marks or destroying the tooth of the paper like you've seen with uh, maybe cotton if you've used, you know, cotton papers in the past. Uh, So there is that just that ability to be spontaneous and intuitive. Another unique thing, though, about using pastel paper is when you're using polychromos pencils, especially, uh, I've also noticed this on the Derwent Lightfast pencils, that you're going to create sort of this dust. You'll create sort of this chalky kind of um, dust. I don't know what else to call it. It's uh, something that falls from the surface of the paper, and this is the reason why it's good to... Use an upright, you know, at least an angle on your drawing surface so that some of it will fall freely from the surface that you're working on. Or at least you can blow it with an air rocket or wipe it clean with a brush and just get rid of it so it's not in your way. But just be aware that that does happen. That's normal. It's part of the drawing process on a sanded surface like that. Now, from what I understand, when this paper is produced, it's produced in thousands, like tens of thousands of yards at a time. So you can imagine that is a large production then. And UART or Unita Enterprises, the parent company that owns UART, does want to expand the selection and they want to start producing other colors other than beige and dark. uh, But they've not done that yet. But maybe that is something that they'll do in the future. So in closing, I want to talk to you for just a moment about the production process of the UART paper. I recently got to hear a presentation by a representative from UART, and he talked about exactly what this process is and what they go through to create the final product that we have. So the first thing that happens is it goes through a large paper roller, and it is on white paper, and it prints on the back of that paper the grit level. It puts a reading on there, the number of the grit level that that paper is. The very next thing that it does is it sprays the other side of that paper with a resin layer that is a proprietary formula unique to UART paper, and it sprays that on there in an even distribution, and that actually creates that barrier for the pH balance that's needed on the surface that we're working on. Okay, so you got that mixture that starts to create that pH balance, that acid-free balance that you need in order to work on the surface and not have any risk of it yellowing over time. There is another process that it goes through that prepares the resin, the mixture that's already on the paper, then it gets it ready for the next stage in the process. And I'm not sure what that is exactly, but the next process after that, though, is that process of preparing that resin mixture. What it does is it prepares it for the electrostatic coating process to get that tooth on the paper, that tooth that we need. And it's pretty interesting here. They manufacture the paper upside down. Paper actually goes above the trays that hold the grain. The paper is actually charged with negative and the grain is charged with a positive. And so it acts like a magnet and it lifts that onto the paper and it is sticky and tacky so that it sticks in the right spots. If you get very close to the paper or you use a magnifying glass or something else, you look very, very closely. You can see the very straight lines of grain that are distributed very, very evenly and consistently. Uh, some other processes that uh, create other papers, not UART paper, um, it's done in sort of more of a haphazard way. Sometimes you'll get uh, a thicker grain in one area than you will in another. And UART doesn't have that problem. It is a very consistent product every single time. Sort of the way that it was explained to me is, you know, using some of the other manufacturers and the way that they may produce um, grain on their paper, they're using sort of like this gravity method, uh, maybe think of like a salt shaker and you just kind of shake it out in an area. You know, I'm sure it's more uh, exact than that, but that sort of gives you an analogy of what may be happening there. Now, I'm sure you've had an experience where you're using a paper, and I'm not talking about sanded paper, but I am talking about sanded paper also. I'm talking about cotton paper or any paper where there's a tooth involved, uh, even if there's a smooth paper. You've noticed once in a while some inconsistencies on tooth and just hills and valleys themselves on paper. And you're like, whoa, what is going on here? This tooth is different in this area. Um You're not going to get that with UART paper, or I've not experienced that yet. I'll put it that way. And so that's one of the many reasons why I recommend UART sanded paper. Now, let me talk for just a moment uh, as we wind down here about the different configurations and options that you have when you go to shop for UART sanded paper. I believe the smallest sheet size that you can get it in is an 8x10. It also comes in, or maybe the sheet size is a 9x12. But you can get it on these premium mounted boards. You can get it as large as 40 inches in one direction. But you can also order it in a roll. So you can get it like... I'm looking on their website right now. Um, In a roll, you can get it 56 inches by 9 meters. Wow. I don't think I'll ever need anything quite that large. All right. So in the sheet sizes, though, you can get a trial pack and you can get a lot of different uh, grade levels. And that's a good thing to start out with if you're new to this paper. But the different sheet sizes that it comes in, 9 by 12, 12 by 18, 18 by 24, all the way up to 27 by 40. The premium mounted boards, which I really, really love, and I would recommend those, highly recommend those. Um, You can get those from 8x10, 9x12, 11x14, some of the usual sizes that you would imagine, 16x20, uh, up to 18x24. The reason I love these boards, and you can mount boards yourself. You can grab the sheets and you can mount them on boards yourself, but... These boards that UART creates are made of this very strong PVC material. Uh, it's very heavy weight material, and I've noticed using that and comparing it to other boards from other uh, products, uh, it feels very lightweight and flimsy. But the boards that UART produces themselves are—they're just mounted on this very strong material, and they're just perfect. They're not—if you're going to be out. Uh, Outside drawing on these, they're not going to blow away. If you're drawing on a drawing board or anything else, you're not worrying about any problems with this board. Uh, It's a very good quality board, pre-mounted on this board, and it's not going anywhere. So I would highly recommend that. Very, very durable. And the other nice thing is they're only an eighth of an inch thick, and so they're, they're not bulky or anything like that, but they're heavy. Uh, as well. It's hard to explain, but they're very, very nice. Uh, And if you've not tried this product yet, I highly recommend it. Now, I don't get a commission from this company or anything like that. Nothing like that whatsoever. I just love the product that they produce and I'm having a lot of fun and it's speeding up my Color pencil drawing process and allowing me to be intuitive and create something that is, uh, I feel like, taking it to the next level. So if you have any questions about what we've talked about today, head on over to the show notes. We take all the notes for you over there. If you want to interact with me, you can comment in the show notes, sharpenedartist.com slash podcast. Email me, podcast at sharpenedartist.com. And uh, this is a weekly show. I'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.